Thank you, Mother. Playing for her daughter. Boy, it's beautiful. If it was me, I'd be bawling and playing. I couldn't, couldn't handle it. But aren't you glad I'm not playing piano, Jillian, for you? Beautiful, beautiful girl, beautiful job. Beautiful spirit. Well, the Lord had given me some thoughts while I was ill, but for, for Easter, and of course, Pastor Williams was scheduled to preach the morning, I the evening, and uh, he did a wonderful job. I, Steve sends me the services when I can't be here at times. And uh, I had a thought for post-resurrection, and I, I, I prayed about it, and the Lord told me to go ahead and preach it, so I'm going to do it this morning. So turn to John chapter 20. Just some thoughts about uh, our Lord after his resurrection and the followers, disciples of Christ, apostles, how they were affected. And we're not too far back from, uh, from the resurrection story. Matter of fact, every Sunday, we, that's what the Lord's Day is about, talking about our resurrected Lord. And I have a thought. Yesterday, I was so blessed at the conference. Um, David Ring was the speaker, and I don't know if you know David Ring um, has cerebral palsy and uh, can't control his body, and his voice is hard to understand, but what a powerful preacher. And he's 66. He was supposed to not live past 30. And matter of fact, he was born dead. He, When he was born, his mother was having struggles at the birth, and they... They believed the baby was dead. They laid the baby aside for 18 minutes, and they saved the mother's life. And then somebody went over and took a look, and they saw the baby was barely alive. And, and because of the blood not getting to the brain, he had cerebral palsy, bad. And they didn't think that he would live. And, of course, he survived and grew. And I can't tell the whole story, but, I mean, we'll try to get the services for you if we possibly can, but what a mighty preacher. And uh, I think John Ash is having it again next year. If you can go, you'd be benefited by that. Everybody has somebody they know that's going through struggles and heartaches. And this year was surviving cancer and surviving the loss of a child, surviving as a caregiver for parents, elderly parents, and just different breakout sessions, and he was the main speaker, but what a story of what God can do with somebody that wasn't supposed to survive and uh, powerful. And I walked away from that service knowing this. We have all our, we feel bad about this and our complaints and our illnesses and our things. But, you know, you sit there and listen to a man who cannot hardly control his body or his voice. And if he can serve God like that, why can't we? And he gets up, and he's actually, he's pretty much a spectacle in people's eyes. But he, he doesn't care. He does it for the glory of God. And uh, let's, let's learn from that, that, you know, we, we should be a spectacle like Jeremiah. Pastor Jeremiah taught this morning. We should be people that God, the people know that we're a Christian, that we know God. And we live and look like Christians and act and talk like Christians. So I, I'm filled up from yesterday. It was wonderful. So hopefully that'll help me today in my ministry with the Word. In John chapter 20, we'll read the first few verses here and then drop down, pick up a few more. 
But it says, The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark unto the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Then she runneth and calleth, cometh to Peter, Simon Peter, and to the other disciples whom Jesus loved, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. Drop down to verse 11. And Mary stood without the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked in the sepulcher, seeing two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Let's pray. Lord, we know that our minds and hearts have been on this text a couple weeks back. Help us never to forget and help us never to think that that this text of Scripture and all the gospel texts of the resurrection are only for Easter. Lord, I want to look at these post-appearances of you, and I want to point out some things you pointed out to me, and I hope they'll be a blessing to those here this morning. And Lord, uh, we pray that we would truly be bold witnesses for you, and as I learned again yesterday, help me, Lord, never to be embarrassed of you. And help me, Lord, to be a spectacle before the world. Help them to see Jesus in me. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. My question is, have you seen your Lord? And she was walking about asking, have you seen my Lord? Have you seen my Lord? And I wonder today, have you seen your Lord this morning? Now, there are three in John chapter 20. We don't have time today to read the whole chapter. I wish you would. Maybe you already have uh, Easter or, or maybe last week in your reading. But uh, there are three post-resurrection appearances of Christ. And each of these appearances, they bring about a different result uh, in the lives of those that saw the Lord in his resurrected body, his physical, glorious resurrected body and the Lord opened their eyes to see certain things that God wanted them to see and may the Lord open our eyes every time you come to the word of God you should pray Lord open my eyes that I might see what you want me to see sometimes I, I look at my Bible and I ask myself is there a command I need to obey is there instruction that you have for me for something that's about to take place in my life. You need to approach your Bible in a very personal way. And so these individuals, they saw the physical, glorious, resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. And we read about it, but oh, what it must have been like after all hope was lost in their hearts and minds to see their Lord, uh, to hear his voice, to uh, to, Mary, she wanted to reach out and touch him right away. Uh, a, a, a normal reaction, I say. And, uh, well, I'll tell you what, they never got over the sight of what they saw. And so I want us to consider, first of all, the devoted Mary saw the resurrected Lord here in John chapter 20. And we saw in verse 1 and 2. But also drop down at verse 11, or we read verse 11, look at verse 12. It says, um, and seeth two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. 
Now notice her questions and interesting questions. Have you, have you taken away my Lord? Have you seen my Lord? So she knows that the Lord's missing, but she doesn't yet think he's resurrected. She thinks that somebody have taken and put him somewhere else, buried him somewhere else. And she's asking the question, have you seen my Lord? Where have you taken my Lord? Amen. Now, there are several Marys in the resurrection story connected to the Lord and several Marys throughout his entire lifetime. Amen. This particular Mary is Mary Magdalene. And she's the woman that scripture tells us in Luke 8, 2, that she had seven demons that Jesus cast out. Now, to have one demon, one demon to possess somebody, to influence somebody, to bring turmoil and thoughts and emotions. And, but think about seven voices and seven, uh, uh, seven rantings and seven wreaking havoc in your life and seven influences, seven devils the evil, the doubt, the questions, the guilt, the shame, the feelings of inferiority, unworthiness Mary felt about her past life, and all these seven devils speaking to her. I cannot fathom, I cannot imagine. But the Bible is clear to point this out. Mary Magdalene is the one who possessed it, and Jesus healed her. Boy, no wonder Mary loved him so. And she showed it in her life. One devil, let alone seven devils within her. And she had a great deliverance. So she had a great love for Jesus Christ. I love my Lord. Saving my soul, changing my life. Do you? Don't you? I do. I appreciate him. I'm so grateful for what he's done in my life. Now, here Mary assumes that someone has stolen the body of Jesus. The enemies, the enemies said it was disciples just so we could say he rose again. But the truth is we know what happened. He rose victorious over death, hell, and the grave. In John chapter 20, verse 4, we now see her, and the Bible says she runs to tell Peter and John of her findings, and they didn't hesitate. Immediately, these two run down to the tomb, John outrunning Peter, and was first at that borrowed tomb. Now, many have speculated why John beat Peter there. Well, number one, John was younger. Now, older preachers always lose to younger preachers in a foot race. I know that. That's why I'm not playing softball anymore. I might be able to hit the ball a little past the pitcher, but I'd be out before I ever left home plate. So I'm, out. I'm, I'm a rooter now. Amen. By the way, did you guys win any games the other night? So you, you, you've won your first two and then lost, you're good. You're, you're Detroit Tiger, 500, good. All right. Now, the young men are coming back, and you'll go, you'll, you'll start winning them all. Amen. Now, Peter, he was a Baptist, I'm sure. Because every senior Baptist preacher I know is rotund and portly and even obese. And can't outrun the younger, agile preachers. All right, that's one of the reasons. Thirdly, some are of the opinion that Peter's not there yet in his faith and devotion. He's growing. I like what Pastor Williams said this morning. There's nothing that God can't forgive you for and go on. And I want to tell you something as a Christian. Listen, you can grow. And you can go on. 
to serve the Lord with a magnificent Christian life, if that's what you want. We need to want that. Now, maybe there's someone here in the way of their thinking for following reasons. Um, but Peter, he, he ran ahead of the Lord in disobeying here. Maybe that's you. you know, Peter was a hardhead, we know that, and he was trying to circumvent what God was trying to do in his life. You know, we talk about people getting behind, backsliding a lot, but you know what? You can get ahead of God and get smack dab out of the will of God. So be careful there. That's a Peter way. And Peter's sin, and sin always affects us, but Peter's sin affected, in John 2, verse 4, his feet. He was slower. His eyes, he didn't believe. In John chapter 21, verse 7, it didn't dawn on him as quickly as it did John. His lips by denying the Lord in John chapter 18, and his zeal and temperature for the Lord. It took Peter a while before he got to serving the Lord like the Lord wanted him. And maybe you've been saved for a while. I don't know your personal testimony. Maybe, listen, you've been dragging a little bit. Listen, get in. I mean, determine in your heart you're not just going to be saved from hell, but you're going to save to serve the Lord. And get at serving the Lord. You know, for many years in my ministry, I'd have this thought. I don't know why. It's maybe particular to me, but I always thought I hadn't grown up enough yet. I, I remember in my 20s, I thought, well, when I get to be a 30-year-old preacher, I'll have some maturity about me, and they'll respect me. And, and then I turned 30, and I thought, you know, maybe I'll do a little better, and I'll grow up a little bit more. Maybe at 40, they'll respect me. And then I turned 40. Jeremiah, listening. I turned 40, and I thought, sure enough, it'll happen at 50. And I turned 50, and then I turned 60, and now I'm on my way to that other number. And I still feel like I haven't grown up enough. And I still feel like maybe I'll get some respect. Amen. Do you ever feel that way? Like, but folks, life is going on. We better get at it. If you intend to do anything for the Lord, it's time to get serious. Now is the day of salvation, but now is the day of being serious as a disciple of Christ, as a being follower of Christ. Let's get at it, amen? Mary went to that tomb, and she saw some things that motivated her in a great way. Of course, she saw the burial wrappings, and uh, he was buried, and they had the linen cloth, and it was in the shape of a body, but his body was gone. Because he lifted up out of those burial wrappings. The grave's clothes lay around him like a cocoon, if you would. Picture it in your mind. Complete and entire, but the flesh was gone. The napkin in a special place folded all by itself. That's a total message in and of itself. Now listen, they said the robbers had taken... Robbers wouldn't have done that. It would have been all in disarray and everything would have been on the ground. And, and No, 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 because the Lord resurrected that day. And he came out of that tomb. The stone was rolled away. Very orderly. Amen. Jesus, if he passed through the clothes, he could pass through... The rock, which I think he could, but he wanted that as an evidence that that stone rolled aside as an evidence of his resurrection. The stone was removed not because, uh, because his post-resurrection body couldn't do it. It could have because remember how he met him the first time in the upper room after the resurrection? He just was there. Yeah. 
He came in the door being shut, the scripture said. He didn't open the door. Nobody opened the door for him. He was just there. John 20, verse 19, the same day at evening, being the first day of the week. See, this is post-resurrection thoughts. The door was shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. In verse 26, and after eight days again, the disciples were within. Thomas with them. Then cometh Jesus, the door being shut, stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Now these two times here, these two appearances after the resurrection, door being shut, they're assembled. They were to prove Thomas something. Thomas hadn't got there yet like Peter in his faith. It was to prove that he was resurrected and it was to prove his ability. Ability to be God. Wow. You know, God wants to show himself as, as God in your life. See, we don't have faith. We say we, we don't have faith. Faith brings you to the very brink. It brings you to the precipice. And that's where we balk. The Lord wants us to do the amazing by faith. Nothing really worthy of getting done happens by flesh. It happens by faith. And it always stops us. Yes, me too. John chapter 20, look at our text, verse 8. Then went in also the other disciple, which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw, and notice the next word, and believed. He saw. Well, there's some things they saw we need to see today. Now, we know that Peter and John believed the resurrection because of evidence of the, again, the cloth and the, and the napkin and, and the angels talking to them and the stone rolled away, all that. But later, the scripture said that they believed because of the scriptures. Thank God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I believe this. And the Bible says in John 20, 29, listen about us. Jesus saith unto them, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet believe. We're that crowd. We're the blessed crowd because we believe the record of God. Now the proofs we can all rest upon. The evidence was given of God. It takes faith. The word of God, that's the record preserved of us to build our faith. And then the personal experience that we all have with God. Do you have a personal experience with God? I hope you do. You ought to. Every one of us should have a salvation story, a salvation experience. Listen, the day I got saved, I know I got saved. And the day I got saved, I felt some things. I thought some things. I believed some things. And although I, I could take you to the place. I could take you up those stairs and I could show you the corner that I trusted Christ as my personal Savior. Nobody is ever going to be able to take that away from me. I know that. That's an experience that I have. I experience God speaking to my heart since then in a real personal way. Now, how can a person know Christ is real? Here's the answer. Faith. It's always a matter of faith. Faith in what he said. Faith in the evidence of Scripture. 
And then faith in the personal experience I had with God. I hope you know Jesus as your Savior. When did it happen? Where were you? What were the circumstances? Can you go back in your mind and remember all those? Somebody as big as God coming into your heart and life, you're not going to forget that. You won't. You might forget some of the details, dates and things like that. That's not important. And we always sing that song, He Lives. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that He is living, whatever men may say. I see His hand of mercy. I hear His voice of cheer. And just the time I need Him, He's always near. He lives, He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. And here's what I know. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. Here it is. He lives within my heart. Do you know that? He lives. Mary saw and believed. They went in there, John, they saw and believe. Some a little later in the service of the king, yes, but they had a belief that opened in their heart. Do you know that? Praise God. We know that Jesus lives and is real because we see the evidence of him in the lives of others, too. I have seen the Lord save people and completely change their lives. I've seen God save people that I thought they couldn't be saved. This guy's never going to get saved. This woman is never. And some of you have loved ones and friends and coworkers, and these, they're never going to get saved. You don't know that. God can save the big ones. Amen. I never forget, I worked at Ford's and I did a lot of w witnessing there at work, and there was this big, tall fella. He was about 6'8. He played on the basketball team there for Ford Motor Company, that plant. And I think he played semi-pro ball. He was just a big, big dude. And he had one of the, you ever have those guys like the four tops with a deep voice guy? Bro, I mean, he had a deep. And he's just intimidating. I mean, he's, he's, he's like Goliath, and uh, he's got that deep voice. And he looked down at me, you know, wanted nothing to do with Jesus Christ. And he intimidated me. And I just kept witnessing to him. Others were witness to him. Long after I left Ford's, I had heard that he came to Christ as his Savior. There was a time there I thought, that guy can never, I don't think he'll ever. You know anybody in your life that's that you think, man, they're never going to get saved. Maybe you had a dad or a mother or a brother or a sister or a friend uh, back from high school days, or a neighbor, or somebody at work, and you say, come on, help me. You say, I don't, I don't know, they haven't got to say, I don't know if they're, see, you ever felt that way? Raise your hand. Uh, they're not too big for God. Amen. You know what they need? They need to see it themselves, and believe themselves. Amen. And I have seen, I've seen the evidence. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in the lives of people. And by the way, all of you may not realize this. If you could go back, if we could go back, uh, us, and view some of your lives before you got saved, we wouldn't believe what you are now. And you may not be much in your own mind, but you have. Now, I've heard some things about Joe Smothers. I would like to go back 
and check Joe's life out before he came to Christ. Amen. I would. There are people that God has done amazing. So he hadn't done that. I'm still not. Listen, God has done an amazing work in your life and heart. And you are one of the proofs of God's salvation to a sinner. Don't ever forget that. Changes take place. God changed my life, certainly. He's changed yours. He turns lives upside down. The attitude and speech and desire and peace and hope and their appetite, their affinities, their affection, their allegiances. I think of Saul. Remember before Saul became Paul, he was actually trying to stamp out the church. And there were many believers. Remember, they wanted nothing to do with him. They were afraid of him because they didn't believe that Saul got saved. How could he get saved? They didn't believe that Saul was actually real. They thought he was pretending or faking so that he might wreak more havoc and take more off to prison. I believe that with all my heart. Wasn't been for Barnabas, I don't know. Befriended. But Saul tried to stamp out the church, and then he met the Lord on the road to Emmaus, or on the road to Damascus. Everything changed. And as much as he tried to prove Judaism, he proved Jesus Christ through preaching, promoted Jesus Christ. The day that Matthew left that cushy government job, the tax collector job, got up and Followed Christ in the gospel. James and John closed down the family business to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Luke left his medical practice to go and serve Jesus Christ. So listen, I'm telling you what. Mary saw and believed. These others saw and believed in their life change, and they started following the Lord. We can read about it in Scripture. If one trusts Christ as their Savior... I know, the Bible says, they will know it personally. 2 Timothy 1.12, For this cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed. Paul says, For I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Have you committed your, your soul to Jesus Christ? And then listen, go beyond that. Have you committed your life? To Jesus Christ. There are people that are saved in churches all over the world hadn't got to step two. They have not committed their lives to Jesus Christ. Mary knew that Jesus was alive. She saw the evidence in the tomb. She heard from the angels. She sensed it in her heart. She saw it in the hearts and lives of other people. At first, she didn't recognize. Remember how she supposed him to be the gardener? Many believe that was just grief. But when she heard his voice, hey, when I heard his voice, the word of God spoke to my heart and it put faith in me. And then I just devoured that book and learned more about who Jesus was in my life. Amen. So we see the devoted Mary saw her resurrected Lord, post-resurrection appearance. And the disciples saw the resurrected Lord. Look at John chapter 20. I just have one more and we'll be done. But look at John chapter 20, verse 18, please. It says here, And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord. And he had spoken these things unto her. Then... The same day at evening, being the first day of the week, 
when the doors being shut, the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith of them, Peace be unto you. Wow. They're looking at their resurrected Lord. And listen, he just came in the room. There he is, standing there. Nail scars. You know, he, he's standing there. He'd been dead and in the grave for three days, and he's standing there. And the leadership and the apostles and the believing women, they saw him with their own eyes. Look at 1 Corinthians. This is such a wonderful verse. 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 15. If you can't get there fast, I'll move on here. It says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preach unto you, which ye have received and wherein you stand, but which also ye are saved if you keep in memory that which I preached unto you, unless you believe in made. Now listen, here's the gospel. For I deliver unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried. Amen. And then he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Amen. And then here it is. And he was seen of Cephas, that's Peter, then the twelve. After that, he was seen of five hundred brethren at once. Verse 7, after that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And the last of all, he was seen of me also, as one born out of due time. That's Paul. You know, in order to be an apostle, there's these nutcases on the radio and TV and internet. They call themselves apostles. Apostle this and apostle that. You know, the only way you can be an apostle, you had, had to physically see the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul, he physically, and he said, one born out of two. Paul saying, I shouldn't have been saved. It's sort of like the other day, listening to that old preacher that was dead for 18 minutes. He shouldn't have been alive. He shouldn't have survived. He shouldn't have been a preacher. And he stands there and talks funny, and people can't, for the glory of God. And that was not an accident. That was an appointment. And like he shared with all of us, God made him the way he was for God to get maximum glory. You understand? And Paul was saying, I was born out of due time. I feel like Paul. This dude should have never come to faith in Christ. My family did not know anything about true faith. And the Lord reached down and saved this boy's life. Amen. Born out of due time. I've never seen the Lord physically, but oh, I have seen him. And one day I will see him face to face. I shall behold him. The disciples saw the resurrected Lord. Peter, 500, the 12, the apostles, Paul, amen. And they worshiped him and they followed him. Again, there are people, you're, there are many people here, you're saved, but come on, are you following the Lord? Probably not. Be honest, you're probably not. You know, I want to tell you something. There is going to be a time and a place you're going to realize something. It's time to follow the Lord. I remember mine came kind of like in a twofold way, where I totally said, I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I, I'm saved. But now I'm going to be a disciple. Whatever the Lord wants, 
That's what I want. And I did not know I'd go down the path he chose for me. But I remember we had an old-fashioned tent meeting out there. Old Sammy Allen preaching. Man, he was something. But God used him. And I remember going home for a couple nights. I was struggling. God was calling me, and I was saying no. No. You know, I have a burden, Brother Tom. I was thinking the other day, there's a few, I was telling the ladies on the way back here, there's a few things we haven't seen in a while that I want to see again at Parkview. We haven't seen anybody called to preach or go out of our church. We, we ordained several, four, 12, 13, 14 men ordained out of Parkview, but it's been a while. I'd like to see that. Amen. I want to get back to prayer meetings. We need more power, so we need to get back to some prayer meetings. See God do something, because we're just doing it ourselves and nothing's getting done. So these are just thoughts I'm having. Amen? I'd like to see some healings. I've seen God do it. We have seen God do that. But I'd like to see more of that. I want to see God heal some people. Amen? There's just some things I, I've been at. Lord, this is what we need to see. More faith. And I'd like to see some people get totally sold out for Jesus. I mean, slap, sold out for Jesus. And I'll never forget hearing God speak to me in those revival services. And I came home, and God woke me up about 3 o'clock in the after, not the after, in the, in the morning. 3 o'clock in the morning. And I get up at 2, 3, 4 now. I go back to bed. I, I mean, that's because of old age and not eating right. And, but I mean, back in those days, I was younger, so I just didn't get up. And the Lord got me up, and he broke my heart. And I got my face in that. I told this story. So, but some of you, we were just married, and back then they had the long shag carpet. How many had long shag? You had a rake. You you raked your your carpet. How many did that? I mean, it's probably coming back. It's cool, but it was chocolate brown, long shag carpet. And I got up and I got my face in that. And I mean, I wept and snot, and I just I just said, God, that's it. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm. I know I'm saved. I know you called me. I am going to serve you. And I never got over that. And I declared, I, "That's it. I'm going." And I went off. I sold my home. Quit Ford Motor Company. Went off to Bible College. And it was. A, it was a step of faith that I. I was kind of like not wanting to make. And finally, when I made that, God took care of the rest. And, and later on in my life, there have been times where I want God to do something, and I'm just ah. Uh, you know, that's where most of you are. Really. Some of you have never, you, you've got, you come to faith, you're saved, but you, you just, oh, I'll stay over here. I won't break my neck preaching this sermon. <laughs> that was phase one. And phase two kind of came strange to me. There was an evangelist. His name was Don Whitlow. How many of you knew old Don Whitlow? Boy, he was a rounder before he got saved. And he got saved, and he, I'm selling out, and he sold out. And he had such a charismatic personality, good-looking guy, I hated him. <laughs> These are the guys that are so talented, like Brian McBride. I love him and I hate him, you know what I mean? And I was asking for God to personally send me out, call me out. I want to serve you. I made the commitment. I, I'm ready. And Don Whitlow come in to preach. Brother Hadrick befriended him, trying to encourage him. He preached that day, and I don't even remember what he preached. I remember the Holy Spirit speaking to my heart that I was jealous because he had all this going on. 
And I thought, well, Lord, why can't you? Matter of fact, all the men in the church were jealous of Don Whitlow. But anyway, <laughs> the Lord spoke to my heart in this auditorium that, that, Lord, if you can use Don Whitlow, can you use me? And we had a fellowship out back. I came to this altar, and I'll be honest with you, I don't remember how long I was there. I was there a long time. And I know that was a time in my life. Right in this corner here, this wasn't here. Tears, puddles were here. Just saying, Lord, use me. I, whatever you want. I'll follow you. I had already committed myself to preach. And that experience, this one, got me going. Now, I want to tell you what. The post-resurrection appearances of Jesus... They saw the evidence, they believed, and they followed. The disciples, many of them, saw the Lord, and they followed. Many of you here today, you've believed in here. There may be two or three in here. You're not saved yet. I wish you would get saved. You need to get born again. You need to get saved. But what I'm concerned about is so many Christians that you have never come to the place where you're, you're saying, okay, you're Lord of my life. You're afraid of it. You're... That's where you're at. Because you know what you're afraid of? I used to hear the preachers preach. Yeah, God will call you to Africa. God will make you marry an ugly woman. God will... Yeah. All these stupid thoughts. If I sell out, I'll have to marry an ugly, ugly guy. No. You know, yesterday... David Ring preached. Here's he's can't hardly talk. It was such a blessing. He talked about the day he got married. As a boy, he was told, nobody's going to love you. You can't get married. You shouldn't get married. You shouldn't have children. So there was no birth defect. There was a problem at birth that caused his brain not to have blood. So didn't mean he couldn't get married, couldn't have children. But he said, who will want me? He said he came to church and there was a young lady in church sitting next to her parents. And she had just broken up with her boyfriend. And uh, he said, he looked into her eyes and saw her. He was six, seven years older than her. I think she was 19 and he was in his 20s. And she told her mother that day, he's going to be my husband. And he thought nobody would ever marry him. And he showed a picture of his wife and his four daughters, three daughters. They were beautiful. I mean, drop-dead beautiful people. And he said, that woman came down that aisle, they got married, and they said he wept the whole time. Because he was always told, nobody's going to want you, David. Nobody's going to ever marry you. You're not going to have any children. You see, like he said, it's not over till it's over. You know, I, I, there are some of you out here, if you just sell out, you think, well, God ain't going to do this. You don't know that because you've not come to the ploy, place yet of just going over. He's your Savior, but is he Lord? Have you seen him as Lord yet? And you say, okay, I'll make him Lord of my life. Now, God, give me all this. It don't work that way. Give him your life. Make him Lord. 
and watch and see what he will do for his glory. And then I'll just give you, the doubter saw the resurrected Lord. You know, Thomas said, I will not believe unless I see the wounds in his hands. But when Jesus came in that door, he wasn't talking like that. When he saw the Lord, he forgot all about all the prerequisites that he gave God. And that's what you and I need. We need to forget giving God the prerequisites. Now, Lord, if you'll do this for me and this for me and this for me, then I'll do this and this and this for you. No, no, no. Just make him Lord. Make him Lord and see what he won't do. I mean, he will do great things for all of us if we'll just get a vision again of who he is. He is the resurrected Jesus Christ. He is the Lord of glory. He is almighty God. He is the God of compassion and long-suffering and mercy. He'll save you. He'll use you. He'll heal you. Yes. He'll start putting things in line for his purposes. But see, we, don't want, we want God's healing and help, and we want all this good stuff, and we still want to be in control. You better forget that. Just sell out. And I'll close with this. Here's my question. Dear ones, have you seen the Lord? See, Mary started out, have you seen my Lord? Do you know where they took my Lord? You know, I know him. I know what he's done in my life and heart. But what about you? Have you seen the Lord? You're out here need to get saved. Have you seen the, your need for Jesus Christ this morning? You need to get saved, big boy. There's somebody out here. There's some young lady. You need to get saved. Quit playing games. Admit you're a sinner. Receive Christ your Savior. Amen. And then there's a lot of us that you're saved, but there's no lordship of Christ in your life. Listen, then there's this other one, dear one. Listen. You used to let him be Lord. And then you took the reins back. I'm going to control because something happened. Something's happening. Somebody hurt you, something, whatever. And you decided God wasn't doing a very good job. So now you're going to take the reins back and do a better job than God? Come on. See, the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus were for a purpose. So they'd see really who he was. And then they'd really sell out and let him be Lord of their life. Where are you at today? Do you know Jesus? Come, let us show you in the Bible. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can be saved today, please. But I would venture that most of the people I'm talking to, you're saved, you're born again, you've been saved for years. But where is the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your life? And some of you, you did it for a while. Something happened, you got hurt at some church, some preacher, some, you know, your parent did this or didn't do that. You, you found a scapegoat, and now you're pulling the reins back. Let, give it up. And let him be Lord. See him as Lord again in your life. For your individual life, for your marital life, for your family life, for your ministry life. Let's bow our heads.